If you're visiting with us, my name is Jason. I'm the lead pastor here and just want to welcome you. I know without a doubt you have been welcomed multiple times already, but I want to extend that one more time and again just say Merry Christmas. But I also want to do just a little bit of housekeeping this morning. We normally don't do this on this day, but uh, this one's kind of a big one, so we need to. So if I kind of tune in for a second, you can, uh, you can kind of tune out as I go, and then I'll tune you back in at the end. But, but for this moment, I need you to hear this, but I also need you to look around and see who might not be here today that might be here next week because they're traveling. You know they're traveling. They normally sit beside of you, and I need you to commit that sometime during this week, you will let them know what I'm about to let you know, Okay. So we started this uh, venture called Imagine, and uh, what we do, we, we do this big offering, and 100%, it's actually more than 100% than what you give, goes back out into various ways, and again, you guys just blew us out of the water this year. We've already made some arrangements, or making arrangements to dig some wells in Africa. Last Sunday, we met with several families in our community and shopped for them. Uh, we, we did some favors for a wrestling coach here. Uh, we fed teachers breakfast here. We have just done some amazing things already. And so next Sunday, we're going we're to add one more layer to this. We are going to take Imagine to the streets. And so we're going to be partnering up with Stephen Young's organization called Home Street Home. And we are going to be going to a place called Green Street, which is kind of in the downtown area. And we are going to be doing some things for our homeless friends. So here's what you need to know. This is the part you need to tune in. We're going to meet at our normal time, 10 a.m. or 10.10 for most of you. And then but we are not going to meet at our normal place, okay? So we are not meeting here. You need to know that. So if you come at 10 o'clock here, you're going to be really, really disappointed. It's going to be on lockdown. We'll have some signs up. Uh, you can hit Cracker Barrel if you want to, whatever you need to. But don't come here expecting service next week. So here's what it's going to look like. We're going to be partnering up also with Madison Christian Church, and we are going to be meeting at their place, which is like two exits down, closer to downtown, and we're going to meet there at 10 o'clock. And so we're going to blast this out. You'll have the address and everything else on every social media outlet, a special email. And here's what the morning's going to look like. So you need to reserve from kind of 10 o'clock to about noon or 11.45. So it's going to be a little longer than normal. But here's what it's going to look like. We are going to meet there for a moment, and we're going to mingle with their people for a second. We're going to take communion together, which I think is such a, a, a beautiful thing when churches, you know, there's such a spirit of competition with churches, whether we want to admit it or not, there is. And so when we can come together and do something for the cause of Jesus and take communion together, we're going to take advantage of that. So we're going to meet there briefly, do that. We're going to kind of give some instructions. We want to encourage you to carpool, that sort of thing. Then we're going to leave their location. We're going to go to Green Street. And if you haven't been to Green Street, it's a really cool organization uh, it's a church, but it's also, they have a village of tiny houses, and then there's some tent cities that are kind of off of that, where there is a, a community of homeless friends that we're going to serve. And so what's going to happen then, some of you are going to be passing out some needed items. You heard Stephen talk about a couple of weeks ago, uh, one of the big needs this time of year is blankets. And so every single person that's there is going to get a brand new blanket. They're going to get a, a stainless steel tumbler so that they can kind of keep their coffee hot or their drink cold during the day, whatever they need. They're going to get chapsticks and socks and hats and all sorts of things that we or you have provided for them through the Imagine offering. And then here's my favorite part. We're not going to provide lunch for them. We're going to share lunch with them. And so, you know, you've heard Stephen on several occasions. If you haven't been here, you, let me just tell you what Stephen would say, that the most valuable thing we will give them that day 
or any day is our undivided attention making them feel loved and seen and valued. And we invite people that we value where? To dinner. We invite people that we value around tables. We invite people that we in value to share in a meal. And so we're not just going to drop off food. We're going to grab a plate and we're going to mingle and eat with our friends down there. And then whatever's left, they can have and keep for the day. We're going to be doing barbecue. It's going to be just an amazing moment that we're going to be able to be lit. And so we want to invite you to that. Um, There's no crowd too big. You know, we, we bring friends, bring family, but that's what we're doing next Sunday. So please know that. Same time, not the same place. Sound good? All right, good deal. I think everybody's got that. If not, just check your email this week, and all those details will be in there. We are wrapping up a series that we have been in over the last few weeks uh, where we just wanted to raise our awareness of our litness. I don't even know if that's a word, but we're, we have set out this season to be lit in our communities. And we just said, hey, we want to raise the, the awareness. We want to heighten our awareness to say, how is it that God can shine through me this light of Jesus throughout this season? It, it could be to coworkers. There's, you know, there's all kinds of opportunities to do that around. This time of year, it could be to family. Some of you, I talked to somebody this morning, they say, Listen, I'm going to be lit this morning because I'm hosting Christmas. And I'm telling you, if the light of Jesus doesn't come through me hosting Christmas at my house, it is going to be disastrous. So I'm going to try to be lit because all my family is going to be here this Christmas. And so some of you, it's just going to be that extra measure of patience that it's going to require to get through this week. For some of you, it's going to be office parties. For some of you, it's going to be just neighborhoods, circuits of friends, all sorts of ways that we just said this season, what if at the beginning of December we said, what would it look like if a group of people or individuals set out to be lit? And it's the season of light, so it makes sense, right? And so this season of light is not a new thing. We have established already that this has been in motion for thousands of years, even a thousand years before the birth of Jesus. There was a guy, a man named Isaiah, and Isaiah was a prophet. He was just a messenger. He was a spokesman, if you will, for God. And he prophesied that there is a great light coming in the midst of some really dark times. And so this started, this whole series, this whole season of light that we experience and we enjoy now starts in Isaiah. Isaiah chapter 9, he says this, and if you will read the stuff that's underlined with me. The people who walk in darkness will see a great light. For those who live in a deep land of darkness, a what? Light will shine. And so Isaiah says, listen, I know things seem dim, but there is help coming. There is a light that is on the way. And so a couple of verses later, he really opens this up and he spells out exactly what they're going to be looking for. So he says, for a child is born to us, a son will be given to us. Now we know because we're on this side of it. They were on the other side going, okay, now I'm kind of tuning in, understanding what is coming, what am I supposed to be looking for? And they spent the next thousand years looking for what Isaiah is describing here. He says, and the government will rest on his shoulders and he will be called, and these are the things you hear this time of year, wonderful counselor, mighty God, everlasting father. And here's one that we hear, Prince of Peace. And there's something comforting about that. So sure enough, Jesus comes and he travels through space and time to bring the things that we have come to celebrate in this season. Things like restoration, 
things like hope and joy and mercy and peace and love. He came to bring light, and as Isaiah says, a great light. And so what starts with an announcement from a man a thousand years before his coming finally crescendos in an announcement from an angel. A thousand years goes by, and suddenly an angel comes with an announcement that says, it's time. It's game time. And before this beautiful passage that was read in Luke chapter 2 where we get to see the birth of Jesus, there was an announcement that set all of this up. It set it all in motion. And if we don't kind of tune into it, so this is what I want to do this morning. I want us to, I want us to, to put ourselves right before the birth of Jesus because there's something significant that happens in Luke chapter 1 before we ever get to Luke chapter 2 that has massive implications on our ability to be light in this season. And so here the angels come. And I don't know if you know this or not, but angels play a huge role in this coming of light. Angels play a huge role in the birthing of light, the birth of Jesus. And I'm not sure what you believe about angels. I did, know, I did find this this week that 8 out of 10 Americans believe in some sort or some form of angels. They believe in angelic beings. They don't know how to describe it necessarily. They don't know the role. But everybody seems to kind of believe that there's something there that's adding some help. And in the Christmas story, we see angels, right? It's not the main character. I mean, we, we walk past angels at Hobby Lobby looking for old St. Nick to put on the, uh, the mantle, but we see angels. We put them at the top of our tree. We assign those as kind of non-speaking roles to the kids in the, in, the, in the play. But angels are a part, but it's not always the main character. But angels deliver the main message. And so all throughout Scripture we see this, that God uses angels for various things. But one of their primary responsibilities, and more often than not, it was to deliver a vital, timely, impactful message. A message that was not just to be heard in a cautionary way, but a message that many times was calling someone to be an active participant in something that they would not otherwise participate in. And so these messengers have some pretty big moments throughout Scripture. If you remember when Jesus was put in the tomb after being crucified on the cross, who was it that met the people? An angel and said, listen, <laughs> there's no reason to search for the living among the dead. He's not here. Angels have these significant moments. And there's one found in Luke chapter 1 where Gabriel delivers one of the largest messages to ever be sent by an angel carrier from heaven. And so here's the scene. They had been waiting on this for centuries, but the angel was going to deliver a message that would shape and impact the rest of time. Listen to what he says. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, he's talking to Mary, you are highly favored. The Lord is with you. And Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. I kind of pause on this and I wonder something. If she's found favor with God, why is she afraid? Why is there this moment where she is 
fearful and scared. I think there's a couple of, of, of explanations, and again, these have great impact and implications on our life. I think, first of all, I think, <laughs> I don't know about you, but I'm just going to go ahead and tell you. If an angel nests itself in my bedroom tonight and speaks to me at 4 or 5 a.m., I'm going to be scared. Alexa's going to go nuts. Our Furbo's going to go nuts. Everything in our house is going to go, what's going on? And I'm going to get up, and I'm going to be straight panicked. Guys, I get panicked if I hear the house creak in a certain way, much less an angel showing up in my bedroom. And here's what you need to know. See, biblical angels are different than the precious moment angels that we sometimes create, right? Anybody remember these things? Anybody want to be bold and admit that you collect these things? My grandmother did. These little trinkets were all over the house, and, you know, and then when she passed, it was kind of like, what are we going to do with these? And so everybody kind of divided them up, and everybody has an angel now. But, but I remember growing up, and, and this was kind of my concept of an angel, precious moments and halos. But when I began to read Scripture, what I began to see is it's a much different picture Angels were mighty, and they were, they were powerful. They're even described as warrior-like. They, they were capable of defending cities, but they were also gentle and tender enough to, to minister to the lowest with compassion. And so they're spiritual beings that were created by God to administer whatever it was that he needed administered at any given time. He, they were created to administer care for his people, but also protection for his people. So here Gabriel comes on the scene. And so option number one is she's scared because it doesn't look like what sets on grandma's mantle. And Gabriel says, whoa, I know you're startled, but let me put you at ease. He says, don't be afraid. You are favored by God. You are blessed by God. But it's not just the appearance that I think that gets her. Because she was what? Afraid and wondered what the message might be. And if we begin to unveil this in verse 31, look what he says. You will conceive and give birth to a son and you are to call him Jesus. This is huge. And again, we're on this side of it. And so we celebrate this and we go, oh, Mary's having a baby. And I'm going to get a plastic mold of that maid and put it in my front yard. It's such a beautiful moment. Can I tell you that this would have scared her to death? First, she would have thought, okay, okay we'll get to it. I don't know how it happened, but what's everybody going to think of this? What you got to understand about her is she's a teenager. She's single. She's engaged, but not married. So let me tell you what that meant in that culture. You guys realize that this was punishable by the law, even punishable to death for an unmarried woman, an unmarried Jewish woman, to show up pregnant outside of wedlock? This was a big deal that shook her to her core. Culture would have not looked at this news like we look at this news. That they would have, they would have, it would have been this shake in my head kind of moment. Mary, I think at some point she had to have immediately gone to this. Uh, I'm hearing you, but what am I supposed to tell Joseph? 
I mean, he's going to know what he did or did not do. How am I going to explain this to my parents who have in, in good faith entrusted me to Joseph to be married? I mean, what are people going to think? What, how are they going to look at me? How are they going to treat me? And Gabriel says something so key. He says, don't be afraid. The Lord has found favor with you. And then he reassures her with another phrase, God is with you. This is all going to be okay. And so what a moment that we have. And it's a moment that would not only shape her life and mold her life and have great implications on her life, it is still shaping our lives. Before we ever get to Luke chapter 2, there are moments in Luke chapter 1 while that angel is talking to Mary, that angel still speaks to me about birthing light. And so in this season of 2019, I'm not sure that an angel is going to show up in your room in the morning. If it does, you'll be afraid. But there is an angel that is still speaking to us through Luke chapter 1 that is calling us and comforting us to a very similar opportunity for us to birth light. And it's a simple message with massive implications. And so here's the takeaway. I want to walk through a couple of things that I see the angel and Mary tug a war with. And the first is this, that God's interruptions are often inconvenient. Mary had plans. Mary's like, listen, I'm going to get married and we're going to spend some time on the Mediterranean coast and honeymooning and, you know, I'm going to, all these plans. And God interrupts. And to say the least, it is not, it is not convenient. See, there are times when God is going to interrupt you the same as the angel interrupted Mary, and it's not going to be convenient. <laughs> They're going to come. These moments are going to come when we least expect it. It's not always going to be welcomed. It's going to be met with resistance. It might be met with fear. There are going to be these moments that mess up our timing. I mean, it's kind of like that moment where you sit down for dinner, and as soon as you sit down for dinner, what happens? The phone rings, and you look at the number, and you know you got to answer it because it's your boss, or you know you got to answer it because it's your mom, or you got to answer it because it's somebody that you know is going to need something important that you forgot to do. And, and it's that moment where it just interrupts what it was you were about to do. And we wish, man, I wish the timing was better on this. Or, or, or we begin to go, I wish the call wasn't that great. I, I wish that the ask on the other end wasn't so big. We, we want the favor of God. We look at this and go, God, can I just have the favor? But I don't really want the interruption. I don't want the inconvenience. See, I don't always like the idea that God may let something come into my life or something happen in my life that I wasn't expecting. And I go, God, I, I really, I, I'm a planner. And I need, I need things to kind of stay in a certain lane. I want to serve you. I want to do what I can for you. But, but I've already got it kind of lined out for the next few months or for the next year. And, and I've got some plans. I'm going some places. And we don't like this, this concept that God at any moment might just drop in and interrupt some things. And he may interrupt us with something that is more than just a tad inconvenient. It may wreck our timing and it may wreck our plans altogether. And so here's what this comes down to. It comes down to my level of surrender. See, that's why Jesus, when he asked for our heart, 
He doesn't ask for a part of it. He asks for all of it. He says, listen, I need you to be all in. I, I need to know that, 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 listen, you'll not only carry your cross, that you would be willing to go to the cross if need be. I need to know that you're all in because if you're not all in, there are going to be interruptions. The interruptions are going to come. But it's in those moments between the interruptions and you trying to figure out how inconvenient this interruption is. See, your whole heart, when you, when you give it all to me, when you have that sort of level of surrender to me, I'll know that you'll step into those things. See, if we're not fully surrendered, then, then it's going to be hard to, to, to be able to step into his plans. And so, I mean, what, what if God asks you for something so big in this season or the season to come, you know, we kind of turn the new year and there's things. What if he asks you something so off the wall that it would change everything you currently know? What if he asks you to move? I mean, what if he says, hey, there's a job change that's going to present itself and it's not convenient. And it's, it's fearful because it's unknown, and it's going to be a major interruption to the 401. It's going to be a major interruption to the family, and what if? And What if God were to interrupt you with something so big that he says, listen, I need you to change a lifestyle, or I need you to change a peer group, or I, there's something so off the wall in this next season to come that you're going to have to change. And this is, what's Mary, this is what Mary is being asked. Guys, this is, this is not a small ask. This changes everything. It completely flips her life upside down, and Gabriel says, don't be afraid. See, fear, if we let it, will control what God might have in store for us. And that's why the angel says over and over, don't be afraid, don't be afraid. Don't let fear control what God is going to birth through you. You know, I've heard it said, you know, fear is the absence of faith. And I'm not sure that's right. I think that fear is having faith in the wrong things. And so it's not a matter of her faith, it's her trusting enough. I love what Craig Groeschel says. He says that fear places confidence in worst-case scenarios. It's the what ifs, and what if it doesn't work, and what if people think, and what if, and it's, it's automatically going to that worst case scenario. And so the angel says, listen, don't give fear ground or space. Don't run to the worst case scenario and miss out on what God is calling, and the angel reminds her, don't let the inconvenience of the interruption scare you. And that leads us to the second I think that sometimes what we call interruptions, God calls invitations. It is an interruption. And so he gets her through kind of the fear part of this, but what he's doing is he's inviting her. God interrupts Mary's plans to invite her to be a part of something that is bigger than her. He, he, he's, he's interrupting her to invite her to something bigger than she would have ever done or could have done on her own. Guys, we see this all over the biblical story. It doesn't matter where you start. You can start in the Old Testament or you can start in the New Testament that God invites ordinary people to extraordinary things, but it always comes with interruption. Always. It is always perceived as interruption. I think of Moses. 
Moses minding his business, just minding sheep, and he runs on a burning bush and says, hey, I hate to interrupt, but I want to invite you to be a part of freeing my people. And we know the rest of that story, right? Moses marches down to Pharaoh, and, the, and here we go. Interruption of invitation. I see this with a guy named Saul who later becomes Paul, and, and the majority of our New Testament majority of what we know about the church and how Jesus shaped culture, multiple cultures, is because of a guy named Paul. Paul's moseying along, traveling on this road called Damascus. And the Lord shines a light in his eyes. He goes blind. There is an interruption. But he says, hey, I want you to be a part of something bigger than you can be a part of yourself. He says, I hate to interrupt, but I want to invite you to something. And I think sometimes we, we have to Look at these interruptions differently. Because what we call interruption, God calls invitations. Invitations to these life-changing, significant roles that will bring about lasting change and kingdom expansion. And that's exactly what he's calling Mary to do. Guys, invitation's powerful. We tell you that a lot around here, that invitation matters. If you've been through our, our open houses, we tell everybody that comes through there, invitation matters. I've experienced it in my own life. I remember a professor of mine in college, Dr. Powell, he came and he says, hey, can I invite you to lunch? And what I found out during the duration of this lunch is he was about to interrupt my next 21 years of life. I'm moseying along in school and going to be an elementary ed major and I'm going to teach little kids and that's what I'm going to do. And he invites me to be a part of something that was absolutely an interruption. He invited me to be a part of their student ministry team for the summer. And I was like, I don't really want to do this. He goes, it pays $250. I said, I'd really love to do this. And that summer began to work on me. And God says, listen, I know it's an interruption, but it's an invitation. And it's an invitation that is continuing to be a part of kingdom expansion. So what God calls interruptions are often inconvenient. And what we call interruptions... God calls invitation. And finally, God's purpose is so much better than my plans. As we continue to, to read this story, look at what he says in verse 31. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you are to call him Jesus. And look what she's, the angel says. Look, let me describe what this is going to look like, Mary. He will be great. He will be called Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. Let me give you the translation. Mary, you're going to give birth to a king. I don't know what you had planned, but I'm telling you, I bet it didn't include giving birth to the Savior of the world. Oh, I bet it didn't include giving birth to the king that people have spent a thousand years looking for. Oh, by the way, whose father's creator of the world. Oh, and if that's not enough, his reign will never end. God's purposes were miles apart from Mary's plans but they were great, and they were big. And here's why. Because God's purposes are always eternal in nature. 
He's saying, Mary, this is not just for a lifetime. This is forever. This is forever. This is eternal. Even, Mary, when you don't see the whole picture, he is working in his purposes. I promise you, Mary, don't be afraid, are bigger than your plans. I try to imagine at this moment what she's thinking. On one hand, I'm sure she is afraid and still apprehensive of, I still got to have a minute to work through what I'm going to say. and how. I mean, how am I going to tell my husband-to-be that I'm pregnant by God? But on the other hand, I got to imagine this is the moment when she is excited because she has not only found favor, she has found favor in a way that she is going to be a key role in something that would change the world. So God's interruptions, don't mistake, they're going to be inconvenient. But what we call interruptions, God calls invitation. And if we choose to step into those, here's what's going to happen. His purposes, I promise, will be greater and bigger than our plans. So as we land this series and land the morning, I know what you may be thinking. Some of you are probably sitting here thinking this morning, Jason, how's this ever going to happen in my life? I, I get it, Mary, man, Mary was, Mary was special. But Jason, if you only knew my shortcomings, if you only knew my limitations, if you only knew my baggage, I'm so far away from this being close to happening. I'm not sure I would believe it at first if an angel did show up in my room. So how's this going to happen? And can I just tell you that God loves to act in the arenas of your impossibilities. Give him an arena of impossibility and he will be right in the mix of that going, hide and watch me. And here's what we see as the rest of this story unfolds in Luke 1. It doesn't depend on Mary. Mary has the same questions if you look at verse 34. Look, she says, how will this be? God, I think you guys, I mean, there's kind of a big thing that hasn't happened. I'm still a virgin. And I love what the angel says. Well, I got the answer to that too, Mary. He says, the Holy Spirit will come on you and the power of the Most High will overshadow it. You want to know how, Mary? The Holy Spirit, that's how. And by the way, the same Holy Spirit that does this is the same Holy Spirit that Jesus later promises you and in Acts chapter 2, we see this Holy Spirit come on his believers. And so if you're here this morning and you're saying, I, I would love to be a part of a story like this. I would love to birth light in this way. I would love to do something significant, even if it's not giving birth to a king. But man, I would love to be a better dad or a better mom. Or I would love to just be able to get right with some people. Or I would love to shed addiction. Or I would love, and whatever that blank is that is your blank this morning, can I just tell you that the Spirit will make that happen. Because what we see in this is that it's certain. God's word never fails. Look what he says in verse 30, 37. He says, for no word from God will ever fail. Let me give you the, I don't go back to the old King James version very often. My mom got me a calendar 
Guys, and I've got a degree in Bible. My mom got me a calendar that was in King James. I got through about January 13th, and I went, you know what? I can't do this. If I got to work like a word puzzle every morning as I'm doing my, you know, getting my coffee to figure out what God has in store for me today. But I love what the King James Version says. And if you're a King James reader, God bless you. (laughs) But here's what the King James Version says about this verse. I love the way they do translate this. For with God, nothing shall be impossible. For with God, Mary, nothing shall be impossible. And I got to imagine this morning that somebody needs to hear nothing more than that this morning. For in your life, as drastic as you may think it may be, can I just tell you this, this Christmas season, this season of lit, this season of light, that nothing shall be impossible with God. I don't know what your problems are. I don't know how big your debt is. I don't know how big or scary your addiction issues may be. I don't know how far you think your marriage is gone. I don't know how far your kids have fallen away. I don't know what kind of stress is on your family that you're not even for sure you can dwell in the same house for dinner. I don't know what it is, but I know this. It's the same message that was told to Mary, for with God, nothing shall be impossible question is, will you have enough faith in the right thing, that being God, to step into it? So here's the question that we'll end with. What is God asking you to do, or what is he asking you to believe this Christmas? And some of you, I know, will have an immediate answer. I need to do this. I need to believe this. And for some of you, you're going to go, I don't know. You're going to have to give me a minute to think about that. And if whatever category you fit in, whether you need a minute or whether something comes immediately, what comes next is the most important thing to remember. And that is this, that obedience is your responsibility. The outcome is God's. Because here's what we do. We say, I would step into this if I know the outcome. If I can somehow get some guarantee. And God says, listen, you just be obedient and I'll take care of the outcome. Mary says in verse 38, I am the Lord's servant. May your word to me be fulfilled. She says, I will do whatever it is you ask me. And I ran across a version that I I actually wrote it in my Bible, out to the side. One of the most beautiful renditions of that last part I've ever seen. This is what Mary says in our language, common language. She says, God, may all your dreams for my life come true. God. I will be obedient, and may all your dreams for my life come true. You control the outcome. Just surrender. And I love that in this season, we have an opportunity to be light through our obedience. I I don't know what the outcome of next Sunday will be. All I know is I'm going to show up. We'll hand out some blankets and some food because I'm seeking to be lit. 
I don't know what the outcome of your deepest needs and prayers, but I know that I'm going to step into obedience regardless of what those outcomes are because I'm seeking to be lit. If you guys will stand with me. On your seat, you found a glow stick when you came in. We talked about how, how can we... How can we do a series on being lit and not do some sort of light? And most of the time, what traditional churches do, they do candle lights. But we meet in a school, and I'm going to guess they're going to frown on open flame in their, uh, in their gymnasium. So we said, you know, let's go back to our roots. For those that don't know, we started in Rivergate Skate Center. And we met under the glow of what? Neon. And so this season, I said, you know what? I'm going to, I'm going to seek to be lit. I remember going to the circus, and uh, which you can't go to anymore, but uh, I remember going to the circus and begging my dad for one of these because they said, hey, there'll be a moment in the circus where you're going to be called to take your glow stick out, and they had like little strings on it, and they said, we want you to swing, and they were going to create this effect, and I got mine taken away because I would swing it and hit my sister in the head with it, <laughs> but I remember that moment when this arena was completely lit up with the glow of multicolored glow sticks. Some people had red, and some people had green, and some people had white, and some people had yellow, and some people had orange. But it was for a common cause, and that was to light up this special effect that was going to happen in the center of the arena. It was an amazing moment. But one of the greatest things about the glow stick, and I remember being so excited because I didn't know how these worked. I remember waking up the next morning, And guess what was still lit? The glow stick. And so for the next few days, I kept an eye on it, and and it does what it does. I mean, over the course of, you know, 48 hours or 36 hours, it began to dim down. So here's what I want you to do with this. I want you to not just enjoy the moment, but over the course of the day, you see this in your cup holder, you lay this on your nightstand, I want it for the next 48 hours to remind you of what it is that you've been called to do that you have been called to be lit. You have been called to be a part of that great light that Isaiah talks about and the great light that the angel announced about. And so I want you for the next 48 hours, because this will stay lit 48 hours according to the Amazon guarantee, just think, hey, how over the next week can I be light? When I go into work, when that family arrives, how can I be light? And as this will cease to be lit, I pray that God will continue to illuminate through you. So I want to read something together as we end, and I'm going to close this with prayer. We're going to do one more song and call it a day. And Some of you will get to scurrying around buying last-minute gifts, and some of you will head down to the Titans game. Who dat? And some of you will have lunch, and some of you will go in all sorts of directions. But I want to read this. So I'm going to read the white, and you read what's in yellow together as we close down. So hold them up. Here we go. The people who walk in darkness will see a great light. For those who live in a land of deep darkness, the light will shine. Jesus said, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. We are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. 
Neither do people put a lamp, light on a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on a stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. And in the same way, let my light shine before others. Father, let our lights shine before others this season. And there's nothing magnificent that we have to do other than step into obedience. And so God, for some of us, that's going to be just greeting someone, smiling and having the integrity to look people in the eyes. For some of us, that may mean, you know what? I've got to, to make a big donation somewhere because it's been tugging at my heart. For some of us, that may mean, you know what? I've got to ask for forgiveness and it's been a long time. For some, that may, may mean that, you know what? I've got to make peace in my heart so that I can begin to make peace with others. For some, that just means that, you know what? I've got to take Jesus on as Lord and Savior. So whatever it is you're calling us to do or whatever it is you're asking us to believe, I pray that we will not let fear dictate the outcomes, but God, we will allow the outcomes to be dictated by you. All we will do is step into the invitation and believe that your purposes, like Mary's, are bigger than my plans. And I can't wait, God, to see what happens, not just in this season, but in the season to come we choose to be lit. Thank you for Jesus. Thank you for the season that we get to openly talk about Jesus. God, it'd be a shame if we don't capitalize on the opportunity to tell the world of the joy that came our way in the form of a son. They called Jesus Emmanuel, the great light. It's through his name we pray.